You know, I don't know much, but I do know that there's more airplanes in the ocean than there are submarines in the sky. This is the Grunge Bible Podcast. My name is Ethan Shalloway. I'm joined by Chris Salona, and I thought I'd mix it up with a dumb little saying that I heard my boss say that one time. That is true. Um, yeah, I don't know I, much, I don't... but I do know that there's more airplanes in the ocean than there are submarines in the sky. I wouldn't be surprised. There's got to there's got to at least be there's got to be one submarine that's up there, don't you think? <laughs> Probably the yellow submarine. Yeah. Uh, the yellow submarine is all over the place. Uh Ethan, it's great to be here with you today for episode 108 of the Grunge Bible podcast. Um aside from feeling in a very you're in an and in an insightful mood, uh how are we doing otherwise? Uh you know, what other wealths of knowledge are you going to share with us today? I got I got a lot of good stuff up my sleeve yeah, for do. today. No, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, we're midweek. We're recording this. Energy levels high. We both got our mustaches out for spring. Oh yeah, which is great. Uh, yours is looking uh, awesome. I think it just just Thank goes you. with the uh, the hair right now. The mustache and hair combo you got going is a classic. Yeah, like, there's there's a lot of guys who look like this. If you if you were wearing blue or like if you took a quick look and and someone thought that maybe a badge like you kind of look mm-hmm. like a cop. <laughs> yeah, or have like a denim jacket or something. There's 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 going to be some elements of that. But I'm for sure. I'm doing well, man. How are you? Great. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's been a busy week so far, uh, but a good week. Um, like you said, it's spring, and I feel like uh, we're in bloom. Our mustaches are certainly in bloom, and. Uh, it's great April to be here, here today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of music. And uh, today uh, we have a fun little exercise. Uh, Ethan and I, we decided to compile our top 10 um, album opening songs from the grunge era as we believe the grunge era to be. So there'll be some some twists and turns, but um, you know, we've always been fascinated. If you've listened to the show, you know this. We've been always been fascinated by... Um, sequencing on albums and the choices that bands make in terms of uh the track order and you know the big role that the first song on an album or an ep plays uh to set the table and set the tone for the rest of the album and um we decided to take a look at the era as we see the era and um make a list of our top 10 our 10 favorite and what we think are the uh the 10 best so we're excited to share that with everybody today and you also know if you've listened that this show is not possible without your support. Um, we are completely supported up by those who listen to us, whether you're giving your time, your positive words of encouragement, your reviews, or your money. And there are people out there that choose to give us money, and they choose to give us money on Patreon, which is the best way to support the Grunge Bible podcast. We have a $2, a $5, and a $10 level where you can support us with that number each month. And uh, I would like to thank those who are a part of the $10 a month Patreon tier, really keeping this podcast going. So I would like to thank Fuck Soup, Fresh Tendonitis, Faith Bittner, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, Jamie Lynn, Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, Doug Endy, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce, Kara Kay, Captain Hightop, Brother Nature, Rachel Corning, Nikki Six, Millie, Alex Long, Black Hole Sean, Alexis Shannon, The Blue Owl, Laura Nyreen, Marianne, Seattle Four Fanboy from New Jersey, Shoe the Shoeless, What the Fuck's Up Denny's, Christine Shepard, and Corden Stewart. So thank you all for supporting at the top level. I would also like to thank everybody supporting at all levels below and in between. Anybody who's purchased merch, uh, we've gotten some people that have gotten into the merch zone over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we are very thankful for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Chris, what is uh, one thing that you support in your life that uh, you're proud of, that you're a proud supporter of? Because I know 
I know you 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 do a good job of supporting people. So what's what's one thing that would be similar to uh, you know this oh, well, supporting the grunge you. Bible? You know you know what I support. Um, I am a subscriber uh, to my local my local newspaper. My print oh, newspaper. Let's I go. don't I don't receive it in print every day, but I have an account and I go in. Uh, you know I got to know what's going on in my city. Um, so I am a subscriber to the Providence Journal. Uh, the Projo, I support it. Uh, I spend a little bit of time each day reading it. I have, you know, I have some some writers and some columnists and some reporters that I uh, appreciate their work. And um, I think local journalism is very, very important. And I think it's something that is, uh, uh, it's on, it's you know, it's it's being attacked day in and day out. So yeah. I want to do my part to support. Does it feel good when you support? The- it feels good. Yeah, it feels good every single time I'm able to go on and I don't get paywalled. Um, yeah. It feels good seeing that, you know, whatever dollar amount it is each month uh, be taken out. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to support it. It is a it's an honorable enterprise, I think, to report at the local community level. Um, so I'm happy to be there and supporting that. Uh, what about you? you? You've definitely got something that you're uh, you're a supporter of. I, I, I just thought that on the spot. I don't have anything um, well, I'll that tell I was you, I dying to say, but I do, yeah. you know, I do support, I, get, I have a subscription to the local coffee shop that I get a bag. That's set. perfect. Yep. So I, I make sure to get that. I don't, you know, I like to make my coffee at home. Not during April. We're in non-negotiable April. So right. we are, no we're, half, we're halfway we're, through. We're halfway through. No caffeine, no nicotine, and we're doing good. But we're doing um, right. I make sure to, uh, even if I, you know, even if I already have a bag of coffee, I still, I still let it come in. And I, I you know, if I can't get there all the time, so I'm happy yeah. to do that. It feels good. You know, it feels really that's, good. That's really awesome. I'll tell you, um, I used to, uh, I used to be a, a Grunge Bible patron. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I am, I am no longer a patron of Grunge Bible. I was a patron before we started the podcast when we just had the Patreon. We want to make sure that the Patreon was real. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had to verify it. We had to vet them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's, so there's that's always your, time for that. So that is your sign out there that uh, you know we practice what we preach, and yeah, uh, we'd love to. They're doing it, and you know it feels good. Like I said, and a, an easy one for both of us is obviously we go to live shows. And we get merchandise from the people that we we're at, mm-hmm. and uh, that is send away for the vinyl. Exactly, that's what that's you got to right. do. You got to get there on the ground level, person to person. Um, so, as I said, you know, we like to thank everybody that's chosen to do that with us, and uh, we hope that if you're enjoying this show, you might feel inclined to do that for us um, and keep this show rolling, so we can discuss topics such as the one that we were discussing today. And Ethan, I'll tell you this week, a little bit of a shotgun start here today. Uh, You know, we're running short on time. You're traveling this weekend to go officially open up your track and field season with Mm -hmm. the javelin. You're heading out West. So uh, we got to get this one in. And um, it's been a little while. We haven't touched a, uh, a ranking since we did the top 100 songs uh, of the grunge era for our 100th episode. So this idea I would say was born out of that and how much fun we had doing that and how well it was received. So, as I said at the top of the show, this is a great topic, you know, album openers. Uh, you know, it's always always good to discuss and see how these bands set the tone. Mm-hmm. And looking at the list, so we got 10 really good ones. And, uh, you know, I went through and I kind of obviously got a little taste of the beginning. And all of these songs um, have something really special in the beginning, you know, ob- and that's obviously why they're on the list. But they've, there's a lot of uniqueness and a lot of uh, cool things that set uh, set these songs out. Um, or set them aside for the band and something special for the band. So, um, yeah, very meaningful. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So what do you say we get into it? Yeah, I think we should get into it. And you made a really good point there. I would say you could make the case that all of these songs could be described using the word iconic. I think a lot <laughs> of these are so integral 
um, to the legacies of these bands and what we perceive these bands to be. So we'll get right into it. Um, there were so many candidates uh, throughout the different nooks and crannies of the 90s grunge and grunge adjacent era, but we're going to start it with number 10, um, and that would be the opening track to the 1991 Temple of the Dog self-titled album, none other than Say Hello to Heaven. Um, this one should probably be fresh in the minds of those who listen right. to the Grunge Bible podcast, having recently discussed this album. And, um, you know, this one I think is a great tone setter, as we said in that episode, for um, just what the album was, what the objective of it was to honor Andrew Wood of Mother Love Bone, um, you know, former bandmate of a lot of the guys in Temple of the Dog, former roommate of Chris Cornell's. And, um, you know, you couldn't have picked a more poignant song um, to 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 share in tribute for a friend and, and to open up an album that is a tribute uh, to Andrew Wood, for sure. Yeah, I think this one, time and place, how he wrote it and brought it, and and they decided to put this one first, like the two tributes at the beginning of the album, and um, and I think Chris's vocals on this one are extremely special. Not that they they are in every song, but uh, this one has some really beautiful stuff that impacted a lot of people. Move like a lot of people covered it, as we talked about. A lot of people use it, and um, it's one that has you know grown throughout the years and. And it was from a super group, so it's you know sometimes those I feel like those one album bands um, or projects can be not you know they can be overlooked sometimes. So the fact that this one has has staying power is pretty mm-hmm. significant. Absolutely, and and I don't think it's any surprise that when we were making this list, you know, this spot it was between "Say Hello to Heaven" or it was between "Wake Up" by Mad Season. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the the opening track and also a great table setter for the subject matter that was discussed on that Mad Season album above from 1995. So, um, yeah, there's really a lot at play with this with this song, um, and I think it's it's perfect for the album and it's perfect for what the band was. Um, now, Ethan, you're familiar with the concept of golden birthdays, right? Like it's like I'm in turn, mine right now. Yeah, you're in your golden birthday. I'm in like my golden turn, year turn right now on the 28th. So whatever, whatever the the you know whatever word, whatever moniker you want to give, that's kind of what we're going to get into with this next song. Not only is it the first track of the album, but it is the first track of the first album mm-hmm. uh, that this band put out, which I suppose is obviously true. About, yeah, we have a few of those, and I don't think that's a surprise. You know, this no. is your announcement to the world who you are and what you're going to be, um, as it was with Say Hello to Heaven and Temple of the Dog. For number nine, we are going back to 1992, the first track on Stone Temple Pilots' debut album, Core, Dead and Bloated. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you, when Scott rolls in right with this megaphone, um, you kind of know like what, what these guys are going to be about. Um, you kind of know what the DeLeo brothers are going to bring to the table for the next, you know, few decades. And you know what Eric Kretz is about. I mean, the heaviness on this guitar, um, Scott's vocals, um, just the way he holds notes and the way he adds so much flavor to these notes and just how heavy it is. Um, yeah. This is we're gonna yeah, get this, we got a lot we got a lot of heavy songs. We that do have a lot sound, of heavy. like, but they all kind of start a little different. This one has the megaphone, which is so important. And I always I love songs that I can hear at the beginning of an album, and the first thing I think is I want to hear this for the first song at a concert. I want this to be their opening song. Oh my too, goodness, the lights the lights go out, and yes. then you just hear Scott. Yeah, and all of these songs are that like they're show openers, and they they cut through. And um, but yeah, it's so funny. Like a lot of these have that heaviness that mm-hmm. are is really similar, unique to the band, but really similar throughout uh, these right. ten. And this song is 
the song is really good. I'm glad that uh, we made some revisions and we put this one back on the list. It needs to be there, so I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy. This is a this is a great one. I totally agree. And yeah, you you made a really good point. That a lot of these songs share that same kind of style. But I mean, that is they really do. <laughs> it's, it's one of. I mean, that's the best way to get attention. It a lot is. of times, I mean, it you is. make your announcement and you bang the door down and you let people know who you are and that you're here and that you're here for a little bit, a little while. And this is what you're going to do. And I think, you know, as bands move throughout their, their catalog and they grow and develop and people um, begin to develop a perception of what bands are and what they're supposed to be. It's always interesting to see where bands go with that first song of the next album, you know, highly anticipated off of their first big album. And maybe they've put a few out and then this next one from a, from a very popular band, it's like, okay, what direction is this album going to go into? And that's what we have on the number eight slot, a band that had been around for a little while by the time they put this album out. And, um, those listening, you'll notice this is our first detour, I think, of uh, what uh, what traditional grunge would be or what people would consider. But we think this band is very important to include. And this is a hell of an opening track. We are going to go to 1999's The Battle of Los Angeles from Rage Against the Machine, the opening track, Testify. And I think this is... This song, like we were just saying, this song, the beginning of it is just an explosion. Um, When all of the instruments kick in, it just blows up and it's classic Rage Against the Machine. You know, they're coming out with a new album, um, you know, after Evil Empire 1995. So it had been a few years and you don't know what the band is going to do. And I mean, they come right back out and it's like we're back again. Um, you know, we're, we're back on our bullshit. We're, we're rage against the machine. And, and it sounds like rage against the machine, but man, is this one powerful? I, I mean, I like it even better than the opener to their, their debut album, but, um, testify is a magnificent track. It's a triumph. It's so funny. Yeah, it starts off obviously with that, the guitar and a slow build, but then instantly when everything else comes in, it's like, it's, it's a high, they pick up the speed a lot more. And then all of a sudden you're in there and you just can't stop yeah. but jump around and move around. And um, yeah. yeah, classic this Tom Morello on this track too. Classic obviously. Morello solo. Every, uh, you'll watch always. him play this live. He's got his guitar way up top like he likes to play. He's jumping around, bobbing his head forward uh, when it kicks in. And, and this is really... Um, I think analogous to who Rage Against the Machine are and, and you know, the things they sing about and, and the way their songs sound. I mean, Testify is a great example of both of those things. So what do you say we move up to number seven? Let's do it. All right, number seven. Um, this one kind had of, to be on the list. Yeah, this is kind of what you were talking about earlier, the first song of the first album, yeah? Mm-hmm. This is the big announcement. So we are going back <laughs> to we 1991. <laughs> <laughs> the first song from Pearl Jam's debut album, 10, and that would be None Other Than Once, which, as we know, or you're about to know, uh, was one of the <laughs> first of the first three songs that Eddie Vedder wrote um, for Pearl Jam. They were, it was one of the three songs that was on the Stone Gosser demo tape that was circulating around. This one, its working title as a demo was Egyptian Cave. Um, and this one, I think you feel so much of the primal energy that Pearl Jam was known for yes. in 1992 and 1993. And just that sense of urgency that just just fused from Eddie Vedder at this time and just the anger and the intensity. I mean, this track is all of that. And it's right on display in the studio, um, which I think is hard to do, but I think Pearl Jam and Ed, they were able to convey that urgency and that intensity in the studio better than almost anybody else at the time. And this track is a great example of that. Yeah, this intro for me, um, 
it, it's so funny. It reminds me of like it has that like kind of like the I don't know. The beginning is kind of mysterious, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it just reminds me of like an '80s or a '90s like cop movie. In the beginning, where it's like mm-hmm. it's dark and it's kind of rainy, and they're getting in, and all of a sudden it picks it up when the like music the steam coming out of the sewers <laughs> and everything, like the everything's coated has... with mist. Yeah. Yes, yes, and the credits are rolling, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like then you have that first scene where they get in the car, and or like something happens. They have that the first door a- slams shut, and Stone yes. Gossard's guitar starts riffing. <laughs> it's the first action scene of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what this is. Like, this could be a soundtrack to an opening oh, yeah. of one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And then they just get right into it. And it's what? You know? Yeah. And, it, and it's great. And, and I imagine in the future we'll do this same exercise with closing songs. But um, the <laughs> no. same instrumental track that closes release, the last track of this album, um, you know, they start that instrumental track on release. But then when you loop the album, the end of the instrumental on release goes right into the beginning of the instrumental little hidden Easter egg track in once. And I think that's a really, really cool touch. But Ethan, you described uh, whatever the hell is going on uh, in that absolutely perfectly. I hadn't heard that one before. And I, yeah. I totally agree with you, that. You can just see some bad acting like, like, uh, um, Oh yeah. Like some bad cops. Oh man. Those movies are great though. They, they get you, you know, they they're suck great. You. They're fantastic. So let's move up to number six, the sixth best opening track um, of the grunge and grunge adjacent era. Ethan, I know this is one you're really excited about. Uh, this is the opening song for frog stomp silver chairs, 1995 debut Israel's son. Yes. And it's again, first song, first album. And this one, Chris, did you know how old they were when they did this? I have heard a rumor that they were a little (laughs) younger than people normally are when they put their album out. Could you tell me? About 15 years old. No way. And I, so I listened to this song and I thought about it. If I was a 15 year old, and because I played music when I was 15 as well. Yeah. And this is like, this is like a, a teenager's dream of a song to me to put together. Like, it's such a, it's such a badass. It's a pretty simple intro, pretty just heavy. And then like, they just do an incredible job and this, and it, it's really amazing how it came together, but it's like a perfect play with your buddy's song in the, in the barn or something. And then it becomes oh, yeah. one of my favorite songs by them. It's just really stuck. Oh me. yeah, it's and fun. I just love I just love the fact. I mean, the bass guitar at the beginning. It's like, all right, like we're gonna blow we're gonna blow an amp on the on the first song of our careers. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna come in, and I mean, it is as much as people make jokes about it, and as much of like a running gag. Oh, they're only fifteen. It is so impressive. It is, you know, That's the songwriting and the playing ability um, that these guys had, um, and and Daniel John, uh, you know, DJ's voice. I mean, Daniel John's voice at, at this age is incredible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's totally on display here. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to say it's like a, it's simple in a bad way. It's simple in the best way yes. to me, like hearing it, it just sounds so much fun to play a lot, like play with your buddies. And I'm like, you know, it's a perfect song to, to put on your first album. So mm-hmm. happy for them. Absolutely. So we've reached the halfway point in our list here. That's right. We're doing good. We're doing good. This next one is probably, I mean, if, if we did like best opening four songs, uh, I think that we'd have to go to this album to be, um, yeah, the best the best four. And it, it starts with Rusty Cage being the first one, yeah, of Bad Motor Fingers. So, yeah, what do you what do you thought? We talk about Rusty Cage a lot. So, what oh do, my what gosh, do you, this is this is just Soundgarden. This is this is what these guys do. Um, I mean, this album is 
you know, one of their best. It, it, it may be their best. And and this is a perfect, like we're, we've been talking about, it's a table setter for what was to come on Bad Motor Finger. Um, the sounds that you hear on Rusty Cage, you hear time and time again um, on, on the rest of Bad mm-hmm. Motor Finger. And I'll always say with this song, the tempo change at the end when they mm-hmm. slow down and it gets really heavy, really sludgy. Um, it's just such a perfect segue for the band. And this song, in my opinion, was built to be played live because when they make yeah. that shift, Soundgarden, they thrived when things slowed down like that. I mean, you think about all the things that they did when they performed Slaves and Bulldozers live and Rusty Cage, when they slow that down and it just gets really, really heavy. It almost sounds like the song is drunk. Um, and it's so perfect because the way it does, that they it played. Sounds, yeah. I was going to say, it ex- sounds punch, punch drunk. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is yeah. in the best possible way. And, you know, this, I think Bad Motor Finger, you really start to hear Soundgarden experimenting with sounds like that, um, more so than they did in the 1980s. Um, yeah. And it's what a great era of Soundgarden and what a great beginning to that era right here with Rusty Cage. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's like a little delirious. Like you just moshed a little bit and you spun around a ton and you're like, all of a sudden you're just like mm-hmm. out so of So you're coming to it after like a, yeah. After and, you can, and then all of a sudden the guitar comes back in and you have to start headbanging again. You're like, oh, back in it. Exactly. <laughs> but like the tempo is slower and like you can get you can get more whiplash on it. It's perfect. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, this is a, obviously an incredible song. Like I said, an incredible start to an album. And yeah. like I said, perfect, perfect uh, concert opener. This is totally one of is. my favorites. Yep. So let's move up to number four and uh, a brief uh, editorial for this. Um, this is the only song that we reached out of the uh, the confines of the 1990s for. But once we once we unveil this, you'll see why. Um, I mean, this song was the first track on the first album of one of the more highly anticipated supergroups ever. Um, you know, I mean, you're taking you're taking people from two bands that were so well known, so famous, and so important to the 1990s, and you put them together in a band. And this is the first song on their first album. And we're talking about none other than Audio Slaves' 2002 self-titled album. The first song being Coach Eyes, and oh mm-hmm. my God, this is. I mean, what can you say about this song? I I always forget how much I love this album and how much I love this song. I mean, when you make a song like Coach Eyes, you can't have it anywhere else on the album, I think, than than yeah. opening things up. Yeah, and I believe that this is the opening song when they played on the roof for uh, yeah, Letterman it was, it as was well. that or it was Set It Off. I can't remember. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is the openers. And they when they cut to them and they just had a, a long build, slow build intro or the guitar is just ripping and then the drums are coming in. And then, um, and then audio, you know, Chris comes in and the audio slave starts hitting and it's like, ah, it's just, it's awesome. It's rage against the machine with Chris Cornell, you know, a little upgrade at the vocals if you, uh, <laughs> to testify. <It's> incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's so good. I love it. And just like what, what Chris is able to do, um, you know, with his voice, you know, overlaid with the talents, the instrumental talents of, you know, the lion's share of rage against the machine. Um, I mean, this was the Audio Slave era was a short-lived era. Only had a, a had a couple of albums, and and their first was undoubtedly their best. It was just that magic that they captured in that moment. And Coach Eyes is a beautiful, fantastic, and heavy example of that. You know, we just keep. I'm looking back the, the last three songs we discussed: Coach Eyes, Rusty Cage, and yes. Israel Sun. It's exactly what you said when we were talking You're about awesome. Dead and Bloated. I mean, there's yes. a lot of heavy songs on here. Yep. 
Uh, exactly. I looked at those three and I was like, yeah. oh man, these are. I wouldn't have it any other way though. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of this era was about, and what a statement they made with this one. And like like you said in the beginning, I think that if you're going to start an album and you're going to really catch people's attentions, you got to do something like that. I think yeah. that's the best way. That's the best way to get my attention. I feel like when I listen to an album, that first that first mm-hmm. song has to be special, mm-hmm. you know. And, and this one so, sure was. All right, yeah. we're moving up into metal position now. The top three. Oh, the medals. Yeah, yeah we're we're in the money now. We're gonna we're gonna come in. So coming in with the bronze medal in this exercise here today. Back to 1993, the opening track for Smashing Pumpkins' Siamese Dream album. Mm-hmm. Ethan, one of your personal favorites, we are going yes. with Cherub Rock. So, yeah, let's hear it. Why Beautiful. You championed this song when we were discussing I did. this list. I wanted to bring it up. I, I I think that this whole song is a build for me. It's It starts off really slow, obviously, and the, the guitar, and the drums kind of come in and just... It's like a nice 30 second to 45 second build. Mm. And then the whole song just continues to build. And like, I just think that's a great way to start an album and, and, and gets chaotic at times. And it's, mm-hmm. they just jam. They just rip so hard. It's such a good representation of the musicianship that Smashing Pumpkins has to offer. Right. And um, I th- again, like, it's just something you want to see live. You want to see them come out, lights down low and just playing hard. So yeah. I just love it. I, th- I think this one's such a good song. So something that's really cool about this era of the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, as you get into 93 and obviously moving on to Melancholy in 1995 is like this was kind of their catapult into more of the mainstream, you know, after Gish. But what I love about this is they continue the style um, that they had developed with Gish. I mean, that buzzing and humming guitar style that the Pumpkins and Billy Corgan were so known for. I mean, it's so evident on this track. And it's one of those things, I mean, with Gish, it's like they had such a good and unique thing. And with with this song and with this album, they take it to the next level and they waste no time, uh, you know, going with the, with the first track, you know, letting us know that those elements are going to be here. They're refined and you hear them in a new way on this album. And yeah, Ethan, you have done a lot um, for me personally and my own appreciation for the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> and specifically for Cherub Rock. Yeah. So I would like to thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it is in its rightful place here towards the top of the list. And I love I love the ending too. Like it just builds up to be like and I was gonna say like Billy's voice is really solid on this song. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't whine. He doesn't get too annoying. Like it's in his it's in his <laughs> it's in his cue zone the whole time. Like he, he doesn't never do that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do one of those things where he gets annoying where some of these guys do. Um, and then he just the ending is just so it's just chaotic and like spastic and it's a perfect way to oh, finish yeah. a song. Kind of splash really out at the end. It's good. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, moving up to number two, the runner up. The silver medalist in the top 10 album opening songs of the grunge era, according to us. Um, Nevermind's opening track, 1991, uh, a song by the name of Smells Like Teen Spirit, which, I mean, really, if we're being honest, like it probably maybe should kind of be number one, but it doesn't matter. That's why this is our list. Um, If you want it to be number one, uh, share your list with us. But um, Ethan, it's one of those things and the same conversation that we had about this song on the top 100 songs that we did for episode 100 um could be said here there's what else can you say about this track um i mean this is this is probably the most recognizable track of the era (laughs) and the fact that it was the album opener i mean just makes sense i couldn't imagine it being anywhere else and i also couldn't imagine another track 
from Nirvana or another track period being the standard bearer of the era. Yeah. And this one, this one just, it, it just fits. It, hold, it it has all the accolades in the genre. Yeah. I mean, it can win every award. <laughs> it has all the accolades except being number one on this <laughs> list or the top 100 list that we did. Yes, but that's, yeah, exactly. Um, all I can say is, <laughs> hello, Dave Grohl in the beginning. What an <laughs> Hello, Dave. <laughs> I mean, is. everyone talks about how when, when he came in with the, uh, the, the idea to put the drums in like he does. And that is a, an incredible way to start a song, incredible way to start an album. And it's why oh, yeah. it yeah, changed first... the musical scene forever. Yeah, man. That's what it did. It really, I mean, <laughs> I mean this it one, did. it's iconic. That's what it's we said iconic. at the beginning. I mean, all of these songs, you could say they're iconic. You have to say Team Spirit is iconic. So um, is. that's what we're going to do. And um, it's obviously got to be on this list. But that leaves us, Ethan, with one more spot on the list. The top spot. Top Dog, Gold Medalist, Greatest of All Time album opening songs and from think, the 90s. And I think, you know, we've this gone point through nine time, songs. People yeah. should know where we're going to end people on these lists. People should know where we're going because yeah. we've mentioned a lot of bands, The Usual Suspects. However, there is one band that we haven't mentioned yet. So, Ethan, I think now is a pretty decent time to introduce <laughs> Alice in Chains to the party. Hello, band. Alice in Chains. We're going to the Dirt era, the opening track from Dirt them bones i mean come on it's got to be them but it was always them bones it was it was always them bones i love that um this song i just you got lane coming in with the oz and the The ah, screaming it's awesome ascending guitar riffs i mean (laughs) this one doesn't get old and we've we've spoken about this one on mm-hmm. Top 100, we've spoken about it with Alice in Chains. We've spoken about it with the Dirt review that we did. Um, and we're going to talk about it now because it doesn't matter. This song is so significant. And the nice part about this one and you know some of the other ones, the other ones have builds, right? Right. This one comes in and it's, ah, and then it does like four of those. And then they get right into the, and they get right into like him singing loud. And all of a yeah. sudden the verses are, they're already singing them bones mm-hmm. within like 45 seconds of the song. And it yeah. gets into it quick. And that's because yeah, this one, it's a short song. I mean, it's not it very is. long. Yeah. So this, I think this song, this song already comes in built. It's like a prefabricated yeah, banger. It's only like, like two and a half minutes. Yeah. So like you, you just, you bring it in, you bring it into the lot, you put it there and it just blows everybody away. Um, it is absolutely in my opinion, and in your opinion, and in our opinion, collectively, the best album opening song from the 90s grunge era. It's got I mean, to be this, them bones. Yeah, and this, I mean, this, like I said, it has it all. It's quick, it's fast, but then it has that solo that ever, that you want. Hello, Jerry. G- <laughs> Hello, it has the Jerry solo, which, you know, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, maybe taking a shot in the dark, but probably the best solo out of this whole list. I'm looking right now, I mean, <laughs> I mean. It's maybe, definitely yeah. I mean, depending on what you think about, maybe, maybe like Tom, a, you had Tom like Morello, a teen but this, spirit Kurt solo, yeah. Or, but but nah, Jerry is at the top. I think yeah. so. I mean, as, yeah, I as, as if there was ever any surprise. Yeah. So no surprise. Like I said, we're we're Alice in Chains guys, yeah. and uh, we're happy to have them at the top of any Which one of these lists. It's, it's wild to think about because there was a time where oh. we were, we were Pearl Jam guys. Oh you know? yeah, we were. But I I think. Then, you went, the <laughs> then, then you, the you went on the Brighton tour. Then you went to Brighton tour. <laughs> this is one of those things. I mean, you just, it's just one word, just Brighton. Okay, Jerry, <laughs> whatever you say. Um, so that is our top 10 album opening songs list. 
Um, if you feel like we missed some songs on this list or we left something out or we didn't kind of expand a little bit more, we've got good news for you because next week um, we have some honorable mentions and some that maybe fall off the beaten path a little bit um, that we are planning on doing something special with next week uh, for another uh, another top 10 list, Ethan, I believe. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to get into the spirit of the season that is to come here in the United States. Uh, it's going to be warming up, so we think next week's episode uh, will do you well as the temperature moves on up there. Yeah, honestly, one of my favorite types and you know scenes of music uh, to talk about and to be excited about uh, the warm weather and listen to the music. So pretty excited about that one. There's a, like I said, there's a few songs that we wanted to include, but then we decided to keep it simple, stupid, and, and yeah. stay within the stay within the realm quick, of what we a do. Quick podcast today, so yeah. um, we hope you enjoyed that list. If you're still with us, we'd like to thank you for sticking with us thus far. Um, as we mentioned earlier, there are a lot of different ways to support us. Leave a review, leave a nice comment, share the show with a friend, give us your money by buying merch or supporting us on Patreon um, or any of the other normal things that I uh, normally mention that I'm forgetting to mention. But uh, we would also like to thank our producer, Drew McFadden, for his work on the Grunge Bible podcast. He is the gasoline that makes this old clunker go and uh you know he's he's always pouring it's great it's really really good so before we get out of here ethan we have one more thing that we need to get done today and that would be the songs of the week uh one from you and one from me this Mm -hmm. is what we're listening to right now and it's what we think you should be listening to right now so um ethan i'll get it started uh i feel like i'm on a little bit of a roll here Uh, so my song of the week is going to be from the pen of Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. Hell yeah. Uh, it is going to be Bob Cajun. Um, I had a moment with uh, Bob Cajun a couple of days ago. I've had many moments with this song throughout my life, and um, it's just, it's a perfect song. It's perfect. Um, I don't really know um, what else to say about this song. Um, it's just, it's one of those songs that just hits you when when you need it, and it's always there. And it's it's special. It's really special. It is one of those songs that um, you listen to it, and you can I can let my guard down so fast to that song. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. if I want to get if I want to feel feel emotional during some music, I can play that song and, and let it play, and it usually does it does the job, and it, it it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so Gord, Gord is Gordon Downey. <laughs> Gordon Downey. <laughs> Gordon Downey. I love it. Downey gone too soon, man. What a guy. Yeah. I'm happy happy you picked that. Um, yeah. Okay, so my song I sent I sent a text to you. I think it was last week that I was becoming uh, <laughs> I was becoming a part of the James Gang. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. You did. <laughs> and I just I, I can't remember how it came up after. Um, I think I was playing a playlist. And all of a sudden, James Gang came up, and we actually saw the James Gang. They came People out. People forget played. we did see the James Gang. <laughs> we saw this. We saw the James Gang at the Kia Forum. And uh, my song is Ashton Park by the James Gang. And it's so funky. And it is so, like, it's got, like, the Grateful Dead, like, sweet guitar, but it's a little bit more upbeat and kind of, like, bluesy rock and, like, or, you know, just, it's like that country blues and and folky. Oh, it's so good. And you got to love, you got to love the James Gang, dude. Some Joe Walsh and, uh, was it, I'm looking at, yeah, Joe, Jim Fox and Tom Chris, Dale Peters, dude. James Gang, I'm pumped, pumped to be back into the into the fold of these guys. Oh yeah, 
It's absolutely great. So we've got two great additions. Uh, we spent a great 30 minutes. So we were trying, we were trying for under 30 minutes. Uh, we're rolling in at about 34 minutes, but uh, you know that's all the time that we have today. We'll try harder next week. Uh, you can find us at the same time next week, whenever you're listening. Comes out Monday morning, 6:30 a.m. Eastern time in the United States. So, mm-hmm. thanks for spending some time with us this week for episode 108. We hope you liked it, and we hope to be talking to you again very soon. In the words of uh, Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser, <laughs> "See you later, <laughs> knuckleheads. We're all for or all for a 168-hour break." <laughs> <laughs> Good night, That's around Canada. the horn. Good night, Canada. Rock and roll, guys. Talk to you later. Cheers. <laughs>